Welcome to episode 1166 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined, as always, on Sundays by Jason Collette. How you doing, Jason? Hey, doing well. I'm glad to be back this Sunday. Uh, yeah, last Sunday wasn't possible. Uh, it actually kind of uh, spins up on like the first good news that we have on the uh, on the rundown uh, today. But last Sunday, I was down in uh, in Florida attending a celebration of life service from the person who actually got me into fantasy baseball. So you know, for those wow. of you guys who are like, oh my god, podcast just you know ramble on in the beginning and never get to the point this is this is relative you know, you know the person who passed away passed away from colon cancer and it really sucks uh because i knew him and his wife before they knew one another uh and we all worked together went to college uh but he's the guy that got me into fantasy baseball 30 years ago he's the guy that got me onto the hellscape that is twitter he got me on there in 2008 uh, so it's like this guy yeah, and and fast forward here we are i'm still doing both of these things and it was because of conversations i had with him uh, and so that's why uh, I wasn't around last week, but we are here. And like I mentioned, uh, we had great news uh, that Liam Hendricks is in full remission. And uh, that's great because after watching the White Sox the last two days lose games in relief, they certainly need him back quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's uh, some of the best news we've gotten in baseball so far this year is uh, Liam Hendricks uh, cancer free. Uh, let's talk about Liam Hendricks. Are you picking him up? Because there's been a lot of people like, oh, he's the closer as soon as he comes back. I mean, I've been a little bit more skeptical that he's going to just jump right back into that role. When do you think he's back? Do you think he's uh, the closer right away? And uh, are you stashing him on rosters right now? So I would have to separate the two. Uh, it's like to me. I think he gets the opportunity as soon as he comes back. But the big unknown is when does he come back? It, because he is, I, I saw something that he has been trying to throw up, throwing aside in between all this, but it's going through all that treatment. He has to, you know, his body's got to go through the full recovery and, and all that. I don't know if I can right now. You probably took him. I know a lot of, he was a lot of uh, targeted by a lot of people uh, this season for draft. And, and you've been stashing, waiting, hoping uh, that you can use them. So great. Uh, and so now you at least say, oh, something's here. And given how that bullpen has performed, it, it should be his job as soon as, he, as soon as he's able to come back. I just don't know when that's going to be and what he's going to look like uh, when he comes back because a lot of his effectiveness is his ability to throw hard. And if he and if he's having trouble, and we don't know how he's going to do in the new rules. You know, it's like he hasn't pitched. He hasn't had the opportunity to even work out in this capacity yet. So there's a there's too many unknowns for me to – aggressively pursue him as a free agent right now. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have an open IL slot, you know, obviously you can throw him in there. Uh, but the hard part right now is everybody is dealing with a ton of injuries in fantasy. This is I have not 13 in one of my DCs, 13. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was talking about this with Paul, uh, I think on the Monday episode where like, I have a draft champions uh, league where I only have like nine or 10 healthy pitchers at this point. And I didn't draft like a bunch of, you know, injured guys or minor league guys. Um, it just, you know, it just been decimated by injuries. So uh, if you have an open aisle spot, I think you put them on there. Right. Uh, and I think there yeah. are got certain guys that maybe are going to be out longer um, that you might want to drop for him. But uh, I agree with you. I, well, I think, as soon as he is physically able to be the closer, he will be the closer. I think he jumps right back into that role. But I also think we have no idea how he is going to be feeling, how he's going to be pitching. 
considering he's gone through, you know, radiation and chemo um, and had a uh, large time off. So, like, the idea that, oh, he's going to be back, you know, sometime early in May or mid-May and be the Liam Hendricks of old, I think is a little foolhardy. And I've heard people in the industry say that. Uh, and so I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. Uh, but if he's available in my league and I can afford to stash him, I probably would right now just because. I'm trying to think. You know, like the last guy, so Trey Mancini was the last guy who went through this particular diagnosis mm-hmm. and treatment, correct? I believe so, yeah. I think that's – I was trying to think through like, hey, what pitcher – like, do we have any kind of baseline? And I couldn't, I, I'm sure John Lester. John Lester. Yeah. John Lester yeah. is the one I was just going to say as, as you were starting. John Lester is the other one that I can kind of uh, think of, but I don't remember if he came back in season, what things look like. Not like he was the hardest of throwers before he went out anyhow, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's to each their own. I, I will let somebody else pursue that opportunity. Okay. Uh, Tony Gonsolin's coming back. There was kind of some uh, confusion about who was going to be their fifth starter to replace Michael Grove who got hurt. Um, it looks like Gonsolin is back with the team in Chicago and that he's going to make the next turn, uh, his, his next turn in the rotation. Are you picking up Tony Gonsolin anywhere? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do it. Not too aggressively, especially in places where I had Michael Grove. I liked how he looked in the spring uh, spring training. Uh, did not like how he looked on my roster <laughs> so far. So <laughs> that's uh, one of many. I, you know, there's just so many, and I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain it. But I, I, I know I tweeted about it. I know you've responded. Like the amount of first inning blowups this year, and, and Michael cool. Grove was certainly one of those. The amount of first inning blowups this year. I wish I had a way of explaining this is why, but I don't, and I can't. I can't. But it is unbelievable how many times you turn up. Even uh, Friday night when I'm at the game, I was at the uh, the Atlanta Houston game with uh, one of our listeners, Jeff, who was again wanted me to pass along his thank you uh, to you for all the TJ Friedel preseason love because he's mm-hmm. got Friedel in four leagues, and he was like, "And it's because of Justin." Uh, so, <laughs> but we were sitting at the scoreboard, and you know, there, we were at the game, and and the, uh, the Atlanta puts up a four spot on Hunter Brown. Uh, and then the uh, one of the other games on the scoreboard, another huge, it was like five runs in the first. Uh, maybe that was the game Patrick Sandoval had a, a big blow up. But it's like every time you look, there's like somebody's getting blown up in the first inning. And I don't know why. It's like the, the times of the order penalty really isn't playing up as much as we would expect it to. It's like if you could survive that first inning, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> You've got a good chance of getting it out there. But I wanted to look at, as I was talking through, I wanted to see what the what we were up to because at one point the uh, the first inning ERA was rather horrendous. Uh, and it, it hasn't discriminated. It's been all over the place. Uh, everybody's been guilty. Good pitchers have gotten blown up in the first inning uh, and terrible pitchers have gotten blown up in the first inning. But it is uh, – it's something I, I wish I could. I wish I had a reason. Uh, wish I could explain. But the league is hitting 274 with a 350 OBP and a 462 slug the first time through the order. At first inning, rather, 543 ERA in the first inning. The next inning is 369. Then it goes to 484, 459, whatever. But that's what we're looking at. It's like the the first inning. The time through the order penalty is completely backwards this year. ERA in the first time through. 465, 434, 402. It's like, <laughs> or that, I'm sorry, that's by inning. That wasn't times of the order. I apologize on that one. But um, 
yeah, it's just it's just nutty what we're looking at in these first inning blowups. And so often, I would say these things try to work themselves out, but I don't know if it is. We're a month in, and some of these guys are still getting bombed in the first inning, and it's crazy to watch. I wonder how much of that is like weather related. Like, is that like you know it's cold, and so they're still kind of getting warmed up and ready to go. Uh, we've seen a number of games that have you know played in you know damp or wet conditions. I do wonder, like, hey, as we get to summer uh, and things are warming up, uh, will this be less of an issue? It's it's hard to tell. I'd have to go back and look at like previous years and see like. Is this something that we go through every year, but we just we kind of forget that it was that bad early on? Because um, you think about like there's certain guys, obviously, you know, Luis Castillo being, you know, one of the main examples in previous years where it's like, oh, this yeah. guy just doesn't like cold weather, right? Uh, and then as things heat up, they're fine. But I, I, I would wonder if if maybe it's something like that. There's that. There's the old example of Tom Glavin used to, if you were going to get to Glavin, it was the first inning. Like he had mm-hmm. a high year rate in the first inning. And once he got through that, he was fine, which kind of accentuate you're facing the best part of a team as soon as you start the game. That's what it comes down yep. to. Uh, and maybe if you're not ready, that part of the team is going to be unforgiving uh, and, and and hang one on you. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Bailey Ober has been recalled uh, to join uh, the Minnesota rotation, this may be a kind of spot start. He may not be up very long, but if he pitches well today, are you picking him up? I like Bailey over quite a bit coming into the preseason. Uh, he's one of those guys that I have in, in the D.C. where I have all these other injuries. So, hey, I can use a healthy pitcher Woo-hoo! Mm-hmm. Uh, so, along with that. So, uh, yeah, I liked, uh, I liked him. Uh, need to find where he's going to stick in the – you know, where he can stick around in the rotation. But Minnesota's problem isn't the pitching as much as they aren't hitting. I mean, they're hitting 228 as a team. Uh, you know, you and I were talking about this before we got on air. They also aren't moving. Like, they have one more stolen base than you and me this season. They've attempted three. They're built like a softball team. They're playing like a softball team. Uh, and when they don't hit the long ball, they're getting exposed. Everybody else in the league is out here running around, you know, moving guys into scoring position. And then you look at Minnesota, you're like, okay, what happened? I mean, they have 4.2 runs a game. The league average is 4.6. Uh, and you could look back at some of those. I mean, not everybody can be like Tampa Bay and has 6.9 runs a game. I mean, and then Texas is next <laughs> at 6.7. Uh, you know, Chicago next at 5.9. But still, it's a 4.6. And, and Minnesota's coming in below the average. Uh, on that, hitting 228, 298, 379 as a team. Uh, that's bad. Uh, they are fifth in the league in strikeouts. They're one of six teams that, or seven teams that have struck out over 200 times already. And just they're not putting enough runners in scoring position. It'd be one thing if you know they were hitting poorly, but you're hitting poorly and not getting on base. Oh, and even the guys that are getting on base don't have the uh, – they're not moving, whether they don't have the speed. And, and that's applicable to most of that team. I mean, let's not forget, we knew this team was going to be rather stationary coming into the season because Byron Buxton has decided he's not running any longer. Jorge Polanco was out. And then the rest of that line, if you're like, nobody's running much in that team, but this is really bad. Uh, and it's, it's getting into RBI. It's, it's going to start impacting your RBI production for your Minnesota Twins as you're looking to take them because they're a bottom 10 team in run production right now. Yeah. Um, as far as Ober is concerned, I think he probably gets the second turn in the rotation because they do have a seven-game week uh, coming up here. But okay. I wouldn't go overboard, right? In Fab, like, it, it, I, like I wouldn't like be having huge aggressive bids because 
I mean, unless Kenta Maeda is going to hit the IL at some point, which, I mean, considering he's already been banged up a couple times early on in the seasons coming off Tom John, he could. Um, I just don't know how, unless they're going to, and unless they're going to run with a six-man rotation, but I just, I, I just don't see them running with one. So yeah, I don't see him um, running a six either, uh, unless the Maeda got, he got um, hit one, taking one off the leg. Is that what happened to him earlier? This yeah, season? but he he also had that arm issue earlier on in uh, in the season. Um, so like he's had like a like a bunch of little things, and so uh, and like I said, okay. coming off of Tommy John, didn't throw, you know. Uh, last year so maybe he he could end up just needing an il stint or getting skipped in the rotation which you, you know give over resources projecting is projecting a six for right now but that includes over starting but then the next five that's it this could be a one and done then i look yeah. at it because right now uh pablo lopez is scheduled to face the, the royals on friday how about i mean you pablo lopez owners i'm not one of them um, but I'm you had the either. Nationals and you had the Royals. You know, like, man, this is going to be sweet. <laughs> and nope. One of those did not work out well. And um, so hopefully the Kansas City one, because, you know, they're abjectly uh, awful as well offensively. So this should work mm-hmm. out better for them. Um, but yeah, the Twins, are they're hosting the Yankees, and they got Gray, Ryan, and Maeda, if he makes that start, are, are the guys they have slated for that series. Yeah. Uh Last little bit of news: Zach Eflin is back today. How excited Yay. are you? That excited, <laughs> yay! Because uh, I mean, he pitched well before that. I have him in a couple mm-hmm. of teams. I wish I could activate him today, but I can't. Uh, which mm-hmm. sucks because <laughs> where I have him is like labor, and I can't activate mm-hmm. a guy midweek. And I wasn't sure if he was coming back Sunday, so I was like, okay, I'll wait. So I, I'm excited. That also means I don't have to see the opener again for a while because it's been rough. I mean, if you saw Friday's game where it was uh, um, Calvin Fauche and then Jalen Beeks, who uh, had a three-true outcome ending where he either struck out or walked everybody he faced uh, and gave up three runs, that was ugly. Uh, so, yeah, I had the opener. So getting guy back in the rotation, that's one. Uh, and then I would say we're still three to four weeks away from Glassnell uh, coming back. I know originally I had said Memorial Day. Uh, not Memorial Day, Mother's Day. Uh, but that's looking closer to Memorial Day at this rate um, because he hasn't even been set out on a rehab assignment yet. So that's mm-hmm. you know, that's usually a trigger of, okay, three weeks from then at worst case scenario. Uh, but that hasn't come up yet. So he is, I, I would, oh, watch, hush. Still don't know why it triggers that off. Uh, but you to see where that's going to be. So I would be leaning closer to the Memorial Day for him uh, than Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense for for Glass now. I think Eflin, you throw him right back into your lineups. He looked really, really good yeah. before the injury. Um, so as long as he gets through today, uh, just fine. There shouldn't be any reason to be. I mean, his uh, next start is going to be the White Sox again. Uh, so he's got the White Sox today, and he'll have the White Sox next weekend because uh, he'll miss yeah. the series. Houston's Houston, either the Rays are either going to Houston. I forget which way it is. Uh, maybe they're maybe Houston's coming to town, uh, but yeah, his next start's going to be he's he's doubling up against the White Sox, who uh, love to swing and miss. They swung and missed mm-hmm. 42 times in yesterday's game, 42, 32 off McClanahan alone, which is which ties the record for the stack cast era, I believe, with Danny Duffy. Uh, so, but 42 times in a nine inning game is absurd, <laughs> just absolutely absurd. But they did it. Yeah, that I mean, that is pretty. We you and I were talking about that kind of started uh, before we started recording, and I was like, man, that is quite the feat. Uh, I wish I'd gotten more McLean on my fantasy teams this year. 
Um, all right, let's uh, let's just jump into some Sunday fab. Not a like massive Sunday fab week. There are some uh, pretty interesting names, though, kind of at the top. And we'll start with a uh, kind of the big guy, which is Mason Miller. Came up, uh, I, you know, I, I'll eat a little bit of crow. I talked in, I think it was my Monday chat, like, oh, I don't think Miller is going to be up you know, for an, another couple weeks. And, you know, the, the A's have no reason to start his clock. Uh, but the A's are kind of living by the, uh, we're going to get the bullets that he has in the major leagues as opposed to in the minors. Uh, came up through 100. Twitter was set aflame. He's going to go for triple digits in $1,000 fab leagues tonight. Are you going to be part of that bidding war? No. <laughs> no, no, no. And I I have to explain why. Now, I would say this. I actually, I one of my home leagues runs fab on Saturday night, and I won the Mason Miller bid. I was not expecting to win the Mason Miller bid. Uh, I believe I bid, I, I forgot. I, I'm trying to look, go back and look what I bid, but I won it, and I was like, that's surprising. I was just doing it to get somebody else to spend a little more. The reason why, it is not because I don't like Mason Miller, the pitcher. I watched him in spring training. If you go back and look at my Twitter feed, I was like mid-March. He popped up, watched the game, and I was like, his first pitch he threw, I was like, oh, my sweet God, look at this. This is – and then he started throwing the slider. It's like, wow. Then I remembered, oh, yeah, he pitches for Oakland. This mm-hmm. is a – right now, I saw a tweet this morning from Ariel Cohen. He said the the A's are on pace for a 31 and a 131 record this year that's what they're playing like they've already given up 100 more runs than they've scored and that's the that's the problem mason miller is where he pitches and who he pitches for they don't score runs they don't play defense mason miller also has absolutely no durability has not shown that durability yet uh and so like i know last weekend everybody was all in on taj bradley some huge bids but look at what Taj Bradley has. He has everything that Mason Miller doesn't. He has the surrounding cast. He has the defense. He has the bullpen. He has durability. Uh, and Mason Miller has none of these things. None of them. That said, he's absolutely fun to watch. I want to watch every game he pitches until he doesn't pitch anymore. It's really fun to watch him pitch. But it's just a shame where he has to pitch right now. And by the by, the time he gets to where he needs to be, he may be traded to another club, unless that's part of the deal for Vegas. Is like you can't trade Mason Miller, otherwise we're pulling the stadium deal, um, which they should. They need something there. Uh, they really shouldn't. Wish they didn't leave, uh, but you know, maybe they could go to San Jose. But if the lawyers weren't so crazy years ago, maybe that would have happened. Uh, I digress. No, I'm not in the Mason Miller uh, bit of Palooza this weekend, just because there are so many things that could go wrong with this. And I, I, it's not, it has nothing to do with him or his abilities because he's fantastic to watch pitch. It's just, he is in the absolute wrong place with all the wrong conditions for this to be a good move. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, one of the main issues and you kind of, you kind of hit on it a little bit, is his durability. This guy has not stayed healthy uh, since coming into pro ball. I mean, he throws a hundred, he's got a violent delivery um, and he just, he tends to get hurt and break down. He only threw 30 innings last year between uh, a few minor league stops and the Arizona fall league looked great in the Arizona fall league. Um, But like, this is a guy that hasn't pitched very much and has a history of getting hurt how you know we even saw it in his first start like he, he was capped at 80 pitches even if the a's are ahead 
he may not get a chance to win because he's not going deep enough into games. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're in a league shallow enough where, like, there's a lot of replacement on the waiver wire, you know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of ride it until he does get hurt or get shut down. But I think there's going to be, like, a lot of frustration with a guy like Mason Miller because, like you said, this may be the worst team in the history of professional baseball. The A's are atrocious. And, um, man, A's fans, I feel for you guys. Like, I, I, I do. know a bunch I, of them really, living out here. I like, I just, I, I do. Because, like, they you, they just got, the A's fans got the rawest of deals. Um, and those of you in Vegas uh, that are going to be inheriting these A's, I hope you don't think they're going to put a winning team on this on the field because like i just don't trust there's been i saw a few people write articles uh about it you know the the move to vegas there's a lot of there's a lot of uh hopium being mainlined and some of these Mm -hmm. like oh hey we're gonna get this many tourists are gonna come to games yeah that may work for football that may work for hockey that's not working for a tuesday wednesday thursday series Mm -hmm. against the uh, the royals you know nobody's making a midweek uh, like, oh, let's go to Vegas in the middle of the week to go watch baseball. No. Uh, you know, I, we, we I, have a case study with the Pittsburgh Pirates building that beautiful stadium in Pittsburgh. They're still not feeling it. Like, it's just like, you know, unless they're playing the really well right now, they just extended their manager. You know, all of mm-hmm. these, all these different things. You have, you still have to invest in your ball club. Uh, but Oakland did everything. I'm not investing in the club. I'm going to raise ticket prices to an insane level. I'm doing everything I possibly can to deter people from coming to the stadium. It's like they're they're living out the major league movie script. Everything Rachel Phelps wanted to do, John Fisher um, did. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. unfortunate that this is where it's at because you know we don't even think back that long ago when they were getting two plus million in that stadium and the crowd was going nuts when Grant Balfour was coming into games and you know all of the all the different things. If we know what the fan base is capable of when ownership cares, cares, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and clearly right now they don't. And the only reason they're doing this now is because they're going to lose their collective bargaining, they're going to lose their revenue sharing if they didn't get something done by the end of this year. And that's why they're like, fine, yeah. we're doing this because that revenue sharing is pretty much their main revenue. I mean, they're making a profit without even without even selling a ticket. And that's what's and most important them. Profit and over the sucks. And this is gonna turn into a nightmare. You know, sorry to get away from the fantasy angle of things. We'll get back to it here in a second, but this is gonna turn into a nightmare for the organization in general because their lease is up at the end of the year. Um, and if the people who own the Coliseum go well, you're leaving. Screw you guys. Where are they going to play? That that Vegas stadium is not going to be ready till 2027. Puerto Rico, Montreal. I mean, they may go into the Washington Nationals thing. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know what else they could possibly do. Uh, and no, it's yeah, the impact of this could be really crappy. Imagine trying they, to attract a free agent there for the next two years. They're going to end up kicking out the uh, the Vegas minor league team and playing there. Um, oh yeah, play outdoors right. in Vegas. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of injury-prone pitchers, uh, Griffin Canning uh, has been pitching well, um, and uh, he has a start against the aforementioned A's this week. Are you picking up Griffin Canning off the waiver wire? Yes, just because he's, he's facing Oakland. Why not? Mm-hmm. He's had a great chance to get a win. Uh, I. The thing with Kenny, I've always wanted to like him, but every time I watch him pitch, I feel like my, my shoulder is going to fall out. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's really tough to watch his delivery. I know there's not a perfect one out there, but it works for him. Uh, and I'm, I'm Justin. I'm starting you against Oakland. 
I, I really have no problem doing that. It is again, the weather four and 19 on the season, they're not scoring runs uh, and every matchup's a pristine matchup against them, but they are scoring. Uh, the only team scoring less than Oakland is Kansas city, Miami and Detroit, but Oakland's at 3.5 runs a game. Again, there's a full, that's over a full run below the league average. You, you have to, I don't, you, the, I'd even start Sinjaro Fujinami against Oakland. And that guy's terrible. <laughs> yeah, he is bad. He's really but bad. I, if he could get traded, I'd start up against Oakland. Uh, shout out to any major league teams that would like to take a shot on me as a starting pitcher. I'm happy to sign for the league minimum. Uh, the way the injuries are happening, if the Mets get one more, you may have to pitch for them. Hey, I'm, I'm totally happy to put on the orange and blue and uh, throw a, f- a few innings. It, it won't be a pretty few innings. I think I'd probably top out at like – 65 miles an hour right now but well, I mean, there's, um, there's hope i mean drew drew maggie got called up by the uh the pirates today he's 33 years old has over 1300 games in the minor leagues and he got called up and so he's with pittsburgh so justin don't give up the dream man uh i i'll keep holding on to it um yeah i mean canning was i think i mentioned this on a previous podcast uh you know canning was the talk of the 2019 Arizona Fall League. Like he was the guy everybody uh, was really, really excited about. Nick Pollock did a whole uh, presentation panel, you know, mostly on him. Uh, Nick Pollock you know, excited he, about a pitcher? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, you know, he was the quote unquote sleeper. He's just not been able to stay healthy. He's healthy right now. Uh, you know, walk rate is good. Home run rate is good. He's not striking out quite as many guys as you would hope for, but. I mean, the A's will help that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would stream him here and then kind of play matchups with him kind of moving forward. Uh, but as long as he's healthy, I think he can be a pretty effective pitcher. The only part that kind of sucks is they run the six-man rotation uh, in Los Angeles, uh, which kind of limits, you know, the amount of innings uh, that he can kind of accrue for your team. But I, I do like Irvin Canning. He's going to be on a couple of my fab, li- fab lists this week. Uh, Jose Kiata looks like he might be starting to take over this closer role. Uh, this is a guy that I, I've talked about a little bit on uh, a couple recent podcasts as a, a stash target. Are you picking up Jose Kiata? Uh, yeah, if I need saves, go ahead. I, so I watched Estevez pitch the other day and I was like, yeah, this still isn't working out as much as I wanted mm-hmm. to. It's not there. I was hoping some of my late one dollar Matt Moore shares would materialize. Uh, and he's he's pitched well, but he hasn't had an opportunity. Uh, he's been in there, you know. He's this week he's pitched three different times. I had a loss, had a hold, but he hasn't had a save opportunity yet. So right now it's going back and forth. Estevez did get the Monday save, but I watched a little bit of that Friday game and I watched some of that Wednesday, and I was like, nah, that's not working out well. So yeah, take your shot on Jose Cajada. It may be matchup dependent given the righty lefty situation there, mm-hmm. and. Um, What's his face? Phil Nevin uh, is old school in that regard. So that may be how it plays out. Um, so, yeah, I would take some darts on saves, especially if you're somebody like uh, me who's got a few shares of Reynaldo Lopez and watched him completely melt down Friday, although he did look much better yesterday. Uh, you know, credit to Pedro Grifo for putting Lopez right back out into a tie game ninth inning situation uh, and hel- helping him put Friday night behind him where he couldn't get anybody out. So, that's there. And by the way, on the White Sox, uh, I need to take a, I need to mea culpa. I blamed all their problems last year on Tony La Russa. Uh, apparently it wasn't Tony La Russa because they still suck. Pedro Griefel is, is not getting much out of the team. Yeah, they're missing their closer. 
Yeah, they're missing Tim Anderson, um, but the rest of that lineup, you know, it, it's been fun watching Burger Time because you know I, I mm-hmm. saw Jake Burger a bunch here in Charlotte uh, and knew he could hit. So you know that's been fun. I took him in the league a couple of weeks ago the day he got called up. So I'm like, I know this guy can hit, and he's getting playing time. But overall, that's not a good team. That that's really an undisciplined. Like I said, 42 swings and misses yesterday. Uh, the, McClanahan was just throwing a, a ton of pseudo strikes, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I'm swinging. Oh yeah, I'm swinging." And that's why I love. I'm playing Eflin and DFS today, so I'm like, I'm just gonna double up on that because this team does swing. They sw- expand their zone and swing more than anybody else. And maybe it wasn't Larusa after all. So I will take a mea culpa and say because I never. I recall in the offseason, I was like, this team should be so much better. I believe a lot of their issues were related to management and the person and things we couldn't see off the field. Uh, no. Uh, this this may be a roster construction issue after all. Yeah, it may be. Uh, as far as Kiata goes, uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to pick him up wherever he's available in my leagues. I think uh, there's a really good chance he takes over this close job. I know he's a lefty, and that teams don't often want to go with a lefty, but they've also already got like two or three lefties other than Kiata in this pen uh, that are pretty effective that can kind of take over that you know, high leverage, uh, you know, role when they need a lefty come in. So um, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Estevez is, is going to continue to be able to do this job. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me, though, if the Angels go out and make a move, um, you know, at some point. So this may be a short-term gig, even if he does get it. Uh, so what's there, to that point, though, and, you know, keeping a fantasy here, Joe Adele is still ripping the ball up in AAA. Has mm-hmm. a bunch of home runs. Yeah, he's got a bunch of strikeouts. He's not stealing bases, uh, but it's because he's hitting too many extra base hits. But like that seems to be their most logical trade chip is him. They don't have and unless they're gonna be like, okay, go ahead and play in triple A one more year. We're gonna lose, we're losing Otani next year, so you can come up in that capacity. You know, I don't that seems to be like the massive trade chip where they could go out. Like, what's to stop them from saying, hey, you know, we we have this talent, we have all this. Hey, Kansas City, Joe Adele for Roldis Chapman. I was just about to, that's really exactly good. what I was going to say. You know, it's yeah. just like, let's do something there and bring him in and, and see what happens because he looks really good. Maybe he looks really good because he's pitching in obscurity now and who knows, but he's pitching really well. And Kansas City should be all over that trade. That's the kind of thing. It's like my fear is Kansas City will sit back and try to get a most out of Chapman and then if something never materializes, then they end up settling for something. But if I'm, yeah, if I'm, the Angels, I have this roster. I have these guys together for one more year. Um, and shocker, they're like treading water. They're not doing that great. Uh, but I, I'm not going to let it go to waste. I, I shouldn't let it go to waste. And if you have no plans for Adele in the future and you think it's like, okay, this is never going to work out, then that's the kind of trade you make. I mean, you look at their bench depth, Chad Wallach, Jake Lamb, Luis Renjifo, and Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips um, is, has as many hits as you and me this year. He's got two steals as a pinch runner. Um Jake Lamb is no, uh, that was five years ago. That was fun. Wallach's up because Ohapi's shoulders hurt. So, you know, now, right now it's like Matt Tice and uh, Chad Wallach as the catching duo, but they need to do something. Keep, keep trying to fill this, fill this roster up. And if Adele's not in your future, go get a Robles Chapman. Yeah. I mean, I, I would do that if I was the angels and I'd probably do that if I was the, the Royals as well. Uh, I mean, we'll see if, um, the Royals want to make a move this early into the season. It would make a lot of sense, though. I mean, he looks really good. Why not? Uh, why not get rid of Chapman 
while you know he's healthy and looking good and hasn't been a knucklehead yet uh, and get as much as he can getting a piece like Joe Adele would be really interesting. I, I mean, Adele, Adele is still Adele. He's got a 15% swing and strike rate. Um, you know, he's just, when he does make contact, it's going very, very far. So, you know, you have to wonder how much of that is, you know, like PCL related um, and just the bad pitching in the, in, in AAA uh, in the PCL. Yep. So, uh, but if I was the angels, I would be wanting to capitalize on that. And if I was the Royals, I'd be wanting to be capitalizing on uh, a role as Chapman throwing 103. Already have a huge regret for dropping a role as Chapman after uh, my main event. I, I tried so to get him in a couple of leagues, and but it's like when you play in leagues with Rick and Glenn, yeah, they they were all over. Mm-hmm. They got mad. I forgot. I think James Anderson snaked him in labor, and they were like so angry about that. Or maybe it was uh, Ian. Somebody it was like I ended up with him nowhere, and there was I had intentions. That sounds I'm like, like an Ian I'm gonna try it out. Nowhere, just absolutely nowhere. So, oh well, I tried. Yeah, I took him in my main event because I was like, oh, you know, I've got uh, Felix Batista and AJ Puck. And I was like, I just didn't know how comfortable I felt with my saves. And uh, so I, I just took him as a gamble and then dropped him for Will Smith after Will Smith got that early save for, for the Rangers. And that, that happened. Well, I dropped Evan Phillips after week one after Ronaldo Lopez came out of the gate well. So it happens. I had four closers, yeah. uh, not by intent, but it was like I remember taking Evan Phillips and I was like, wow, this worked out. And then, you know what? Never mind. Uh, and so, yeah, I dropped him. And then yeah, I think he went like 300 in the next weekend. In fact, like, oopsie. <laughs> we all Speaking make mistakes. Of, speaking of oopsies, uh, potentially at the closer uh, department. Uh, Juris Familia, a name that's a blast from the past, uh, 33 years old. I can't believe he's only 33 years old. Um, he got the most recent save on Friday night for the A's. Are you picking him up? Do we care enough? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, so like if I'm in an AL only, so you AL only leagues, yeah, you, you have to, right? Yeah. Let's say you were one of the teams that just like punted saves, like, I'll just stream them during the season. Sure. But getting back to the fact this team is on pace to win 31 games and four of those are already in the pocket, that's 27. Uh, He would have to save every single one of those, which we know doesn't happen. So on a good team, a closer gets about a third of the wins. So a third of 31 is 10. Uh, He already has one, so they were still looking at a single-digit save total the rest of the way. That's that's kind of where you're at. I only, and right now it's just a matter of they're trying something because Trevor May has looked terrible. Uh, Danny Jimenez has not looked good either, and it's like okay, here let's let's throw let's see what sticks at the wall. And so this may stick at the wall, but I this is still a single-digit save total the rest of the season. Well, it's a single-digit save total, and then you have to factor in the uh, the fact that. If he is good, he's getting traded. Like, there's no way he's staying on this team after the trade deadline. Like, he'll get moved to be somebody's, you know, setup guy or middle reliever uh, for a team looking for a cheap bullpen piece to kind of bolster uh, their bullpen. So, like, uh, like closer yeah, to be Fujinami. I mean, That's the guy they should have and save. Take his game. Seriously, take him out of the rotation. He is terrible. As a starter, absolutely terrible. But, but he's no problem. Who, who are they going to put in? I don't. That, it doesn't I, matter. They have nobody else. You're not trying to like, be competitive. Well, so what, if you're not trying to be competitive, just leave Fujinami there. You're already paying him probably more than you're paying the rest of the rotation combined. So uh, go, go you know, sign you, Madison Bumgarner. 
I think the I'm Giants are going to bring him back. <laughs> I'm half joking. Go sign Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> I think I think the Giants should sign Madison Bumgarner. Not because he's any good or they can do anything with him, but it's going to be a bad season for the Giants, and so why not just bring a reason to go to the ballpark? You know, I agree. And like, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But it is um, – yeah, anyhow. <laughs> Yeah, I, can't, uh, I have to laugh at Oakland. It's just so I feel bad for the fans. I'm not mm-hmm. even gonna make fans like what fans? They have fans. They have. They fans. have. They have a ton of fans. They have a ton of fans. Um, and we've seen it. Yeah. We've seen that they have mm-hmm. fans. Yeah, uh, and I, I yeah I do feel bad for them. Uh, moving away from pitching uh, into kind of offensive guys, Taylor Walls in the ball pretty well right now. I, I know he's thought of more as a, a defensive guy that can play a lot of different positions for the Rays, but. Any chance you're picking him up this week in deeper formats? So I tried to I tried to get him in some drafts because he was roster flexibility. That's what it comes down mm-hmm. to. He is uh you you think about a guy that is you talk like, oh hey, defensive first. So you think he can't hit. And last year he certainly showed that he couldn't hit, right? But he did go back and he did go out to the gym. I would say he is by the eye test noticeably bigger this year. Uh, so he has put in some work in the gym. Not that he was ever a small. I mean, he the says thing says he's 5'10", 185. I never he doesn't look 5'10", 185. Uh, he has, and the other part of this is right now, small sample size alert and whatnot. The switch hitter is doing most of his damage from the right side of the plate. So if you're trying to look at, hey, let's get him into a platoon situation. Where that that's that's kind of that's been kind of rubbed. So he's been doing most of his damage there. But right now, I mean, he's showing offensive capabilities that I didn't think he had. Uh, and he is running when he's on base. He is he is taking off. He does have good speed. He is taking that, but he's been very disciplined at the plate. And a couple of his couple of his home runs have been legit shots. And then you look at a one percent barrel rate so far, and a and a ten percentile max exit velocity. But some of that is like. It's been over the last week. Some of that early on was slow, but he's out there playing almost daily now. And so as he's getting that daily playing time, numbers are starting to creep up a little bit. Uh, and so, yeah, if you're hurting uh, in, in up the middle and, and need something, needs uh, some speed and somebody that's got some potential power, this is a good opportunity. I mean, like I said, they got a busy schedule this week. They got Houston and the White Sox uh, again. With that, neither of those teams are doing a great job at controlling the running game. Uh, last I looked, so that's another opportunity as well. Uh, when I was looking earlier, although uh, Sebi Savala did throw out, uh, was able to throw out um, Wander Franco last night, but looking through, the White Sox are, what do we have the White Sox? We have the White Sox, two of 16 in throwing out runners. I'm sorry, yeah opponents are 14 of 16 against the White Sox and stealing bases and uh, 16 of 19 against Houston. So if like looking for a weekly play, I want to see what happens. This could be an opportunity where walls could pick up multiple steals this week. And I would apply that same to most of the Tampa Bay roster when you have those types of matchups uh, this week. Yeah. Um, I like walls as you know, at least a short-term streaming option. Maybe you're missing, you know, Seager or, you know, Tim Anderson, guys like that. Um, And you need, you know, or you lost O'Neill Cruz. Uh, He's making some really interesting adjustments uh, kind of underneath the hood, uh, including things like 
you know, he's become just more aggressive in the zone, especially, but just overall has been more aggressive. So, uh, you know, his, uh, his zone contact is up. Um, yeah, he's getting some BABIP help. Obviously, he's not going to hit, you know, 300, I don't think, you know, rest of the way. But I think this is a guy who, especially in your deeper formats, he looks like he's going to play a lot of different, you know, uh, a lot of different places, play pretty regularly as long as he can continue. You know, a 91% zone contact is pretty elite. Uh, and it's not mm-hmm. what we've seen from him in the past. I mean, he's a guy with a, you know, career 82% zone contact. So, like this is an adjustment. I wonder if there's been a mechanical change. I'd have to kind of go and do a side by side. There actually comparison. has been. There has been a mechanical okay. change. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I need to think of the guy's tw- uh, Twitter handle. Uh, there has been a mechanical change, and as soon as I can find it, he basically did something with his uh, with his swing. Ah, here it is. Dog Pancake 73. I know this is a funny Twitter name, uh, but he is a, <laughs> one of the contributing writers on D-Ray's Bay. Uh, and he did something back in March that was like, hey, uh, Walls looks different. Uh, and he certainly does. And I was trying to find the tweet, but he basically changed his lower. He changed the, his, uh, the way his legs work. He was a leg kick guy and he has stopped doing that. Uh, but as soon as I can find the tweet, I will put a link in the chat. You can put it in the notes. But there absolutely has been a mechanical change for him that has helped him be more at the plate. Uh, and it's, you know, like I said, he last year he was the automatic out. Like, oh, hey, my drink's mm-hmm. empty. Let me go get a refill. That was that was a Taylor Walls at bat. Uh, not anymore. Yeah, and so I mean, I I don't think you're gonna get like he's got zero barrels so far. Like he he's not gonna be like a huge power source. But I think he gets some sneaky speed and, you know, put up, a you know, like 280 batting average if he can kind of continue, uh, you know, with these gains. So I think especially in your deeper formats, I think he makes a lot of sense if you're if you're kind of, you know, streaming or middle infield spot because of uh, injuries right now. So uh, speaking of a guy that you might be wanting to stream through middle infield, uh, Oswald Peraza uh, is up and playing, you know, a fair amount right now. Are any interest in him? Yes, I uh, have him already in two different leagues. Uh, and that's one, if the Yankees are playing well, going back to what we were talking about with Minnesota, softball team, station to station, not moving, that's not the Yankees right now. With with Glaber Torres on the move, and by the way, he's been thrown out almost as much as he's stolen bases. I think he's five for nine this year. Uh, so that's a little weird. But Volpe's obviously running. Cabrera's running, Peraza's running. It's like they've got multiple guys that are out there running. And so, yes, uh, this seems to be with Stanton out of that lineup for the foreseeable future, with Donaldson out of that lineup for the foreseeable future, it takes away that stationary feel that that team had and gets them into a position where, okay, I get this guy on base, let's get them in motion. So they're not sitting around waiting for the home run. Obviously, if Judge is on base, they're probably not going to run, but it's not as stationary and they have – they need to create more runs. So I am uh, gulp, uh, trying not to get sick here. I'm pretty excited to watch the Yankees play this version of baseball as a baseball fan. Uh, as a Rays fan, it sucks. I want them to be terrible and get hurt. Uh, but like I was watching yesterday's game against Toronto, uh, and it was nothing. Not, it was a pitcher duel, and, and you know, unrelated. Alec Manoa got better results. I would encourage people to go dive into the numbers and look at the overall numbers because the overall numbers weren't terribly encouraging, but the results were. Uh, like his mm-hmm. 
called strike and whiff rate was still very pedestrian. Uh, velocity was fine. Uh, he looked much better than he did in his last start that I watched last Sunday against Tampa Bay uh, with that, or last weekend, rather. So, you know, but it was a fun game to watch. It was 0-0, and then it was 2-0, then it was 2-2, and uh, then the Jays, Romano, couldn't couldn't uh, put out that fire uh, at the end of it. So yeah, it's it's a different it's a different version of the Yankees that we that we that we're used to. Yeah, uh, and I mean Praz is you know doing fairly well. He's only in two fifty, but he's uh, you know walking almost nineteen percent of the time in his uh, through his first uh, six starts. Like I think he, while uh, Volpe is you know stealing a lot of bases, he's barely been hitting his own body weight. Uh, and I do wonder, like, how long the Yankees are going to allow that to happen, especially at the top of that uh, Yankee lineup. Uh, and, you know, with Josh Donaldson suffering a setback in his rehab assignment, yeah. I think Peraz is, uh, is going to play pretty close to every day at third base, um, you know, and, and then, you know, kind of filling at second base when, you know, Glaber Torres uh, needs, uh, you know, some time off. But, uh, yeah, I think in deeper formats, I think Peraza is a guy you should be picking up. Uh, would you rather have Peraza or Taylor Walls? Uh, Peraza. I'm still skeptic on Walls. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Being I, a full-time hitter, I think it's situational. It's matchup dependent. Uh, Jack Sawinski had a big week, um, and uh, he kind of is who he is. At this point, like we know that he's going to strike out 30% of the time. He's striking out 30% of the time right now. But he's got five home runs. Are you picking up Jack Sawinski? Uh, yeah, I would, especially in a league where I'm hurting for power. It's, you know, you know what you're going to get from him. And that's obvious. I have, um, I had him active in the league this week that I needed that. So that was certainly nice. Every time he played, he has played every game this week uh, and he has hit fifth, sixth, fifth or sixth and then eighth against the lefty. So even against the lefty, he stayed in the lineup, but that's, you're, you're going to take what you get out of that. I didn't see what his numbers were Wednesday against the lefty when he did hit, but that's kind of the damage you have to take. The fact that he's out there every single day now. Yeah. Uh, and it, obviously you have to worry about what your batting average could look like. Uh, if you're in that, if you're playing in that type of format, but if you're in an OBP format, he certainly offsets it with his ability to take walks. So he's not, he's not hurting you. He's a multi-category guy in an OBP league, uh, in a batting average league. He's pretty much a one category guy, maybe a little bit with RBIs, uh, but you've missed some of the sweetness with the, uh, with all these home runs, uh, that he's hit on because he's, he's been on these streaks before and we've seen him go on these mm -hmm. runs. I'll try and look to see what their schedule looks like. Uh, well, I will, I will, I will say that three of those uh, four home runs that he hit over the last week came in Colorado. Yes, uh, of course they went. did. That's why he was, that's why we all had him in our lineups. But mm -hmm. you know, before we get too picky about that, uh, this week he has um, the Dodgers and the Nationals. So that's a you know balanced, balanced mm -hmm. schedule. Uh, so it's not too bad. And then after that. Uh, he's got at Tampa Bay, then he's got the Blue Jays at home, and they got the Rockies at home. So the schedule is, I would say, um, neutral. It's got as it's got as many tough pitching matchups as favorable ones for him. So I would say it's rather neutral. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is a pure uh, power play. If you're looking for power, uh, he did go 0 for 4 against uh, in that Wednesday start that you're referencing where the, he's going up against the lefty, uh, did get a walk. 
but uh, he is who he is. Like I said, kind of at the beginning, like this is a guy who he's got a ton of power on the bat. Um, I think he probably will platoon more often than not. The right now, the Pirates are kind of down some uh, some bats um, with injuries, and so I don't know that they've got all the options that they. Uh, would like in order to properly platoon him. So maybe he plays a little bit more against lefties than he normally would. He's got a ton of power. He's going to strike out a ton, hurt your batting average. It's kind of the trade-off you're going to have to make. But this Pirates team, like I said, all offseason, especially offensively, is better than people give it credit for. So like I think there will be you know, decent runs in RBIs uh, for guys on that Pirates team, including Sawinski, uh, because I think that offense can hit pretty well. Uh, speaking of the Pirates, Connor Joe is uh, kind of stepping into some more uh, playing time uh, with G-Man Choi out, uh, other injuries on this team. Any interest in Connor Joe, who was a kind of a fantasy sleeper guy a couple of years ago uh, back in Colorado? Yeah, and Choi's going to be out six to eight weeks. So this, whatever it could be, it could be something for the foreseeable future. Uh, now that Joe's been in the lineup, he's been hitting third or fifth. And he's got a day off today, but he's been hitting third or fifth every time out in the lineup uh, with that. So if he's getting this kind of playing time hitting in the middle of the lineup, yes, interested until it's not happening any longer. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't think he's anything special, but I think he's going to play regularly. There's a little bit of pop there. Um, Yeah, Deeper leagues makes a little bit of sense. Not a guy that I'm like running to the waiver wire for uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but a guy that I – in in the deeper leagues, if I need a guy, and I think he's multi-position eligible at, at first and outfield in most leagues, um, you know, gives you a little bit of that kind of bench flexibility, which is nice. Yeah, I was looking uh, to see. Uh, doesn't show. See, 2020, yeah, he's got uh, six games at first base, so he's got the five-game threshold there, and he's got the the 10 games in the outfield already this year. There you go. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, uh, former prospect of note, uh, never really panned out to what people thought he would be uh, as a prospect uh, and kind of turned into more of a utility infielder in the real life and, you know, and and real life game and not very much in the fantasy game. But with Jose Altuve out, he is playing pretty much every day at second base and been leading off recently on one of the best lineups in baseball. Are you picking up Mauricio Dubon? So... Yeah, the, the good thing I like about him is kind of weird. Uh, like he's definitely hitting a lot of contact. Uh, I think I saw a stat the other day, like 92% zone contact with him. Just really hitting the ball extremely well to all fields. Uh, just no pop with it. And then the other piece of it is he's on base a bunch, and he only just got his first stolen base of the season at that game that I was at on Friday night against Atlanta. And he did it with a beautiful swim move because he was dead to rights. Uh, and he ran, a, did a swim move and was able to get in safely ahead of the, the throw from Sean Murphy and the tag. And that was the issue. It really came down to the tag because Albies just put the uh, reach for him rather than just take the glove straight down. But that one stolen base. And, and Dubon had a pedigree in the minor leagues of running. So it's kind of been puzzling because I wrote him up. Uh, I wrote an article about stolen bases this week at Rotowire. I mentioned him and Javier Baez, neither having a stolen base attempt, and then both of them stole their first base on Friday night. But uh, Dubon stole as many as 31 bases back in 2017. Uh, in a, in, I'm sorry, he had 38 if you combine the, the AA and AAA numbers. I also believe, was that the year, I'm not confusing guys, was that the year that he got a late leg injury too? 
I think he might be right. I remember at one point he was, I was excited to have him come up and he had a late leg injury. I was looking at him uh, towards the end of the season, but right now, I mean, it's an extreme, extreme high contact guy. I mean, he has got 3% walk rate and a 5% strikeout rate. Uh, and all of that said, he doesn't have a single number above, uh, above 400 in his triple slash line. All of that. So he's putting everything in play. It's really not going anywhere, <laughs> but he's spraying and getting on base. And he's got, you know, he's able to score 15 runs for an Astros team that's uh, struggles to put offense together uh, some nights. And some of that is lineup construction. I still don't, for the life of me, understand why Kyle Tucker's not hitting higher in that lineup. But I digress. Yeah, Dubon makes a lot of sense if you're looking for runs. If you if you need runs scored, um, he makes a lot of sense because he's, I think, going to be hitting high up in this lineup. He is pretty much doing his best impression of Luis Arise. Um, you know, I was going to say I, David Fletcher, too. <laughs> if you think oh, back yeah. to that season where David Fletcher put yeah. everything in play and we're mm-hmm. like, how is this happening? And then David Fletcher is now... Uh, languishing in the minors because he got, mm-hmm. you know, the Angels gave him that contract and then they uh, just outrighted him to the minors. But it kind of reminds me of Fletcher. I was looking back at the season. Um, yeah, the season Fletcher hit in, in 2020 where he hit, you know, that was a short season, obviously, but he hit 319. But even the season before, he hit 290. And it's like, how mm-hmm. did this happen? Yeah, I mean, and like the underlying numbers like kind of bear this out is like somewhat legitimate. His ex BA is. 327 he's you know making you know his own contact above 90 percent right now like he's doing everything he needs to do to kind of keeps us going but it's it's so empty it's such empty batting average and run scored that th- there are a lot of leagues in which you can't roster that uh regularly yeah. because yeah the 15 runs are great but he has a total if you add up all of his home runs all his stolen bases and all of his rbis it's five got four RBIs and one stolen base like that's it like you are you're getting runs uh scored and batting average like I said makes sense if you are really struggling early on uh with runs or if you you know identified after your draft like oh man I I didn't get any leadoff hitters I might be struggling a little bit with runs but this is also a short-term solution because obviously as soon as Jose Altuve comes back he's uh gonna be out of the lineup I I think I put him below both Peraza and Taylor Walsh for me how about you uh, yeah, I mean, right now he's saving my skin in, in AL labor. I, he was my pickup when I lost Dylan Moore, uh, and mm-hmm. Dylan Moore may not be coming back for a while now. Cause he had a setback yesterday and he's supposed to see a team doctor. So if you were looking at Dylan Moore in your AL leagues, they're like, Oh, Hey speed, he's on his way back. Uh, he's not on his way back anytime soon. So, uh, so I'm riding Dubon out until I can't any longer. Uh, but he's a, he's an easy replacement. You know, he's helping me. He's contributing in areas that Dylan Moore never would have. It's like he's helped me in batting average. Great. I need speed. And that's why I had Dylan Moore. And I have that one steal. It's like sweet because I, I think I have, let's see, four, eight, nine, ten. I have 13 steals and labor. And that's not what I need. I need more I need more steals. I have 17. Chaz, Chaz McCormick's on the IL. So I didn't count his four uh, that are down now in the IL. So I'm, I'm starting to get hurt a little bit on that. But – with Dubon, I would just say ride it out until you can't anymore. He's hitting, he's up there, he's hitting, he's getting on base. Maybe, maybe Dusty Baker will break from his stubbornness and and switch the way that lineup is there. But I don't know how much longer they can ride out Jose Abreu at cleanup. I just don't. I mean, Jose Abreu looks terrible. It is, yeah. If he he has uh, one more home run than I do since the beginning of August, 
Uh, and he's just not – I don't know how you can right, left, right, left splits, whatever you want to do. Then switch it up. Put Alvarez second. Have Bregman hit third. Have Tucker hit fourth. Have Abreu hit fifth. Do something like that. But they cannot They cannot continue to roll out Jose Abreu hitting cleanup. It's killing them. They should be better yeah. than they are. They've got a lot of good pieces of this team, and yet they have Jose Abreu hitting cleanup who's doing absolutely nothing right now and i you know that i expected more of him this offseason i wanted him to be a better player but the numbers right now just don't bear it out yeah he's hit i mean he's 250 290 284 when you're hitting cleanup and your obp is higher than your slug that is a major major problem yeah i'm right there with you uh let's finish out with jaron duran uh who's been recalled he's hitting like 368 over the first uh week up at the majors he's got Mm -hmm. a stolen base he's in the bottom of the lineup do you care about jaron duran at all oh i do because i didn't i was not able to get him into my tout lineup this week uh and so bubba thompson has still been sitting in there because yeah i wasn't didn't wasn't aware that Duran was being called up and, and activated in time for Monday's game with everything going on last weekend. Missed that, so I missed all those sweet stats. And Bubba Thompson has done next to nothing, uh, so I'm now swapping that in. Uh, but I have I had four shares of Duran coming into the season, so I he's active and going right into all my lineups. Uh, you know, I bought into the he did a lot of work in the off season. Uh, looks bigger, had a really nice spring training uh, outside of the sunbathing thing. Uh, so, like, uh, or was that Cassis? I forget which one that was. Joe's but Cassis, he's got all yeah. the athleticism. All right, he has all the athleticism in the world, uh, Duran does. And so he is somebody, you know, last year we wanted him to be better. Kind of like I would put him and Josh Lowe in the same bucket. We were super excited about them last year. They let us down, and so their value fell. And Duran has only had a week to show his value. Lowe's had more, and Lowe's certainly doing well. Um, there's uh, two, so, but both of these guys, you know, don't forget this time last year or even earlier than that, we were all like, man, these guys could be great. And when they weren't, we dumped them. Uh, so get back in on the, uh, on the Jared Duran. Cause he's certainly showing it this week in Boston, you know, for all their warts, they're still above 500 uh, as the entire, divi- as the entire club is. Uh, and they can still score runs, especially when they're at home. And, and Duran's got the athleticism to be a difference maker in that lineup, even if he's hitting down there in the bottom lineup. Yeah, I'm a little bit more skeptical. He's still, I mean, striking out 30% of the time uh, at the majors, really, really struggled uh, in AAA in his uh, 26 games down there uh, where he hit 195. Now, I will say he was only striking out 21% of the time in AAA, so I think there was a little bit of uh, some bad Babbitt luck, but a lot of what we've seen this week is good Babbitt luck. He's got a 500 Babbitt. Um, Deeper leagues, I, I get it. Um, you take a shot. There is some real game-changing speed, uh, especially if he can get enough playing time. I just worry that as soon as he cools down, he's going to lose all his playing time and probably get sent back down to the minors. So uh, I wouldn't be overly aggressive this week. Like I said, this is not a great fab league. So. <laughs> it is, uh, it's not. People are going to be a little absurd. I'm, I'm afraid to see what some of these Mason Miller numbers are because mm. I, oh, I did, find out. I did pay 137. I did pay 137 in my league, but I legit never expected to get him. Never. I that you, was just to make sure somebody else spent some money bid. That's all that was. You won't even see me bid 37. Like I just I, you know, and I need pitching in some leagues. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spending that much on him. 
So uh, this yeah. is going to be a quiet, quiet fab week for me. Uh, Jason, uh, what are you working on? Where can people reach you at? Uh, so latest article I had at Rotowire was looking at stolen bases uh, and how some teams and some players aren't running and even some uh, players on teams that are running aren't. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, Dubon and Baez were two players that had not yet attempted a stolen base and both of them converted one on Friday. Some of that really does have to do with matchups. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, look at uh, look at Tampa Bay, who's facing Houston and, and, and the White Sox this week. Uh, and both of those teams, you know, they're they're below average in controlling the running game. So if you're if you're hurting for steals and you have the ability look for matchups, uh, if you're in daily uh, look for these kind of matchups, there are certain pitchers. They're just terrible uh, at, at controlling the run. The other day, I blamed there was a big stolen base game, and it was like, oh yeah, Noah Syndergaard was pitching that night. Uh, I'll drop a link in the in the chat because I even use it on, on Joe Sheehan's uh, Slack channel. I mentioned this report, and somebody's like, man, I'm always amazed at what Baseball Reference has the depths of Baseball Reference. Well, this is a report that I look at daily, looking at numbers. Uh, what the you you see if you follow me on Twitter, you see the chart that I put out, looking at the daily comparison chart. And you know the league is still running eighty percent of the time right now. That's where the numbers are. If I look at looking at some of the numbers, uh, we're we're at the league is attempting stolen bases six point one percent of the time when the next base is unoccupied. That's up from five percent last year. That's up from four point four percent in twenty twenty one. The league is currently five. What will be four thirty one of five forty one, which converts to an even eighty percent on the uh, success rate, which is higher. It, it has not been below 80% any point this season yet. Uh, this last year overall, it was 75%. So we're seeing an influence of that and, and where things are on it. So the league continues to run. And that's the one thing that's been real sticky because even some of the early power numbers uh, aren't sticking around as much. This week has been really tough on offense. And I know some of you guys listening are like – Tell that to my pitching staff. It sucks, <laughs> uh, but it is this week has been really tough. If you go to go to go to our Fangraphs page, look at the weekly splits, and you can see it play out in the weekly splits because things are, are shaken up. And I'm I want to get to the link um, to look at it because like one of the things this week is BABIP is way down. It's like why is it why is BABIP way down on ground balls than than anything else? Because you know, you could say oh weather that'll change something. All right, fine. Not, that doesn't influence ground balls, but this week ground balls BABIP is 222. Last week, just last week, it was 250. It was 244 the week before that, and it was 232 the week before that. So we're like, are pitchers starting to get it, or like, what's happening? Why is all of a sudden ground balls aren't making it through? You know what's happening there? The league-wide batting average week by week: 245, 251, 247, 237 this week. So it's like. What's happening? Why, why? Why is? Why are things struggling? Because we haven't really seen, you know, a lot of this a big surge. Yeah, Joe Musgrove came back last night, and I haven't even seen what his numbers were yet. But we haven't seen this big surge of returning quality pitching and getting rid of some of the crap that we've seen that should make this type of dent. But for whatever reason, this particular week, the ball is we're not seeing the type of offense that we've seen on the aggregate in the first three weeks of the season. So that may be my next article is like, what happened this week? What were the factors that came into play this week for baseball to return to a kind of 2022 feel after three weeks of, oh, my God, this could be a crazy season? Yeah, uh, I'm interested to kind of, you know, see how, you know, because I think we were, you know, seeing we were feeling like this was going to be another live ball 
uh, this year, and all of a sudden things are starting to quiet down a little bit. So uh-huh. I'm definitely interested to see uh, kind of how things continue to play out. This well, is also why we can only don't... face so many teams. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> more balanced schedule. They're going to face more teams, so it's going to be spread around a little bit more this year. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, writing uh, or posting daily fan graphs, and I'm writing three days a week over at Fantasy Pros. Uh, obviously, I'm on this podcast, but I'm also doing the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. Uh, that will wrap us up for this episode for Chase and myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. See you guys.